Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Traders awaiting a policy decision from the European Central Bank. We get a preview from Bloomberg's James Wilcock in our London bureau. Options pricing suggests that traders haven't been this jittery about an ECB rate decision since 2019. The central bank is set to end QE and set out a path towards its first rate hike since 2011 when it meets today. But what traders really want to know is if President Christine Lagarde would back 50 basis point hikes in the future as the eurozone faces inflation accelerating at a record pace. And Bloomberg's James Wilcox says the ECB decision will come down at 7.45 a.m. Wall Street time. Well, ahead of that, Karen, stocks in Europe are lower. Oil is hovering around $122 a barrel, and gasoline prices continue their record surge. We get the latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. And Nathan, gasoline prices have now topped $5 a gallon in 16 states. Gas prices aren't likely to drop anytime soon. Increased oil demand continues to outpace the global supply. Gasoline inventories are at the lowest seasonal level in about eight years. That's according to the Energy Information Administration. It's all part of the overall inflation picture that continues to be a top focus of the White House and President Biden. Inflation is the, is, is the, is the bane of our existence. Well, the president making the comments in an interview with ABC late night host Jimmy Kimmel. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, gasoline prices have now topped $5 a gallon in 16 states. Gas prices are not likely to drop anytime soon. Increased oil demand continues to outpace the global supply. Gasoline inventories are at the lowest seasonal level in eight years, according to Energy Information Administration data. It's part of the overhaul inflation picture that continues to be a top focus of the White House and President Biden. All right, Karen, thank you. Well, shares of Tesla right now are up nearly 3%. Production in China more than tripled last month, despite the electric car maker only recently getting its Shanghai factory back up to speed. And the transformation of Facebook continues. The company, which changed its name to Meta Platforms last year, will now trade under the ticker Meta instead of FB, Karen. 
Right, Nathan, thank you. And uh, futures this morning are higher. S&P futures up about 14 points and Dow futures are up 95. NASDAQ futures up 50. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thanks. It's 533 on Wall Street. Still raining, still 69 degrees in Central Park and still slippery out there. Latest crash? Southbound Garden State Parkway by 145. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. The House passed a package of gun legislation, including raising the minimum age to buy a semi-automatic rifle from 18 to 21. Before the vote, Democratic Representative Mike Thompson spoke in favor of the measure. Raising the age to buy an assault weapon saves lives. Limiting magazine capacity will limit the carnage of mass shootings, and it saves lives. Going after traffickers keeps guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them, and it saves lives. However, Republican Congressman James Comer disagrees with Thompson. We have people in the military uh, using weapons when they're 18, and and I, I mean that's good enough for a military. I think that's a that's the way it should be for law-abiding citizens. Comer was among the 204 Republicans who voted against the bill. Meanwhile, New York Mayor Eric Adams testified before House Committee on Oversight and Reform on Gun Violence in Washington. Adams, who posted his comments on his Twitter account, says it is a disgrace that virtually every day brings another bout of gun violence. We are facing a crisis that is killing more Americans than war. A crisis that is now the number one cause of death for our young people. Mayor Adams says it is high noon in America. Members of the House Committee investigating the events of January 6th will hold their first primetime hearing tonight to share what they have uncovered about former President Donald Trump and the deadly storming of the U.S. Capitol. Former President Trump, Donald Trump Jr., and his daughter Ivanka have agreed to answer questions under oath next month in the New York Attorney General's civil investigation into his business practices. A Manhattan judge signed off on the agreement that calls for the Trumps to give depositions starting July 15th. The agreement comes after a series of setbacks for Trump's efforts to block State Attorney General Letitia James's three-year-long investigation. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stancho. All right, Nathan. Three games into what's been a strange NBA Finals. The Warriors have outscored the Celtics in the third quarters by a total of 43 points. And the Celtics have won the fourth by 40. There hasn't been a close final score yet in Boston. Celtics jumped in front 24 to 9, then won that fourth 23 to 11. Third fewest points ever scored in the final quarter of a finals game. Boston won 116 to 100 and now up 2-1 in the series. Rangers and Lightning tied at 2. Game 5 tonight at the Garden. Rangers coach Gerard Glenn asked about Tampa Bay's ability to prevent the Rangers from scoring when it's not a power play. It's nothing that uh, they haven't seen before. Uh, you know, they're doing different. They're just, it's intense hockey, and you got to get ready to play it. And it doesn't seem to bother us when we're playing at home. So the last two games was an issue, yes, but we got to get better. So we will. Rangers have not scored a 5-on-5 five five goal since Game 2, but they have won 8 in a row. At MSG. Yankees and Mets both suffered their most lopsided losses of the season. The Yanks' seven-game win streak ended at Minnesota 8-1. to Yanks had just four hits. The Twins' Jose Miranda had three, drove in three. Both Nestor Cortez and Clark Schmidt 
Gave up four runs. That's the most allowed this season by Cortez. Garrett Cole pitches tonight. Mets lost in San Diego 13-2. to So outscored the last two nights 20-2. to The Padres five runs in the fourth inning and four more in the fifth. Sean Manaya beat Chris Bassett, who gave up seven runs. Mets are off tonight. They visit the Angels tomorrow. The Angels have lost 14 games in a row. Three weeks ago, they were in first place. Half of those losses have been by one run. They just lost one nothing to the Red Sox, who've now won their last seven. John Stash, I want to Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. Okay, John, thanks. It is uh, 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. New York City is making a comeback. After the U.S. was briefly frozen by COVID, people were leaving the city. But now that migration out of many neighborhoods has reversed. The city's population is still decreasing, but more households are moving into Manhattan than were moving in before the pandemic in 2019. Manhattan apartment rents continued skyrocketing last month. The median hit 4000 bucks for the first time on record. Rates on new leases jumped 25% from a year earlier, an all-time high in three decades of data keeping. Luxury home developer National Realty Investment Advisors has filed for bankruptcy in its home state of New Jersey. The Secaucus firm says it was under investigation by securities regulators. The filing comes six weeks after the firm's CEO stepped down. An independent manager took over and found a host of financial issues, according to court documents. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Brace yourself, spice lovers. The world's now facing a sriracha shortage. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm reporting that Apple will be handling the lending itself for its new Buy Now, Pay Later service. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on KMOX in St. Louis, I'll be reporting on the top car colors when it comes to resale. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting Kent State University is expanding into Rwanda. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol plans to hold a series of televised hearings about its findings starting on Thursday night. Its members should focus on presenting the facts, not scoring political points. The facts, after all, speak for themselves. Rioters who breached the Capitol that day assaulted more than 100 police officers and caused more than $30 million in damages. Prosecutors have charged more than 800 defendants with crimes related to the attack, including counts of seditious conspiracy. With all this on record, the committee's goals should be straightforward, to lay out what is learned and explain how to prevent a repeat attack. A sober, methodical presentation may not sway many votes, but it can still expose the causes of an assault on American democracy and perhaps serve as a warning for other officials toying with insurrectionary ideas. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion commentaries every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures now up 15 points. Dow futures up 105. NASDAQ futures higher by 57 points. Uh, European stocks moving a little bit lower ahead of an ECB decision with the European Central Bank getting ready to lay out a timetable for reining in inflation. 
Thoughts on these price pressures next from the CEO of Amazon, Andy Jassy. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Rain right now, clearing this afternoon, upper 70s for highs. We'll get up to near 80 under a mostly sunny sky tomorrow. More showers possible Saturday, currently 69 degrees in Central Park. 507 on Wall Street, rain and 69 degrees in Central Park. Slippery roads, already dealing with the crash in the New York State Thruway southbound near exit 10. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Staying dry, Michael? I'm trying to. I hope so. (laughs) Thank you very much, Nathan. The House passed a package of gun legislation. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. It's called the Protecting Our Kids Act. It includes raising the age limit for purchasing some kinds of automatic weapons, prevents gun trafficking, and addresses safe storage. The arguments remain about the same. Republican Steve Scalise. All we see is a rush to go take away the rights of law-abiding citizens to have guns. Democrat Katie Porter. Shootings involving assault weapons are six times as deadly as shootings involving handguns. The true test comes in the Senate, though, where passage is still considered an uphill battle. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Meanwhile, New York Mayor Eric Adams testified before a House committee on oversight and reform on gun violence in Washington. Adams, who posted his comments on his Twitter account, says it is a disgrace that virtually every day brings another bout of gun violence. It is high noon in America time for every one of us to decide where we stand on the issue of gun violence. Time to decide if it's more important to protect the profits of gun manufacturers or the lives of our children. Mayor Adams says we are facing a crisis that is killing more Americans than war. President Biden is kicking off his first full day at the summit of the Americas in Los Angeles, which brings together leaders from across the hemisphere every few years. Biden is working toward new agreements on economic development, climate change, and migration. We need to break the cycle where marginalized communities are hit the hardest by disasters and have the fewest resources to recover from crises and prepare for the next one. Also yesterday, President Biden made an appearance on ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live, where he talked about gun reform and inflation. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline at at the pump. Biden called inflation the bane of our existence. Manhattan apartment rents continued skyrocketing last month with a median hitting $4,000 for the first time on record, according to Miller Samuel and brokerage Douglas Element Real Estate. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Yankees and Mets, two best records in baseball. They can be forgiven for both suffering lopsided losses on the road against good teams. They lost by a combined 21-3 to for both their worst losses of the season. The Yankees, an 8-1 to defeat at Minnesota. The Twins scored twice in four straight innings. Got home runs from Brian Buxton and Brian Jeffers. Nestor Cortez, who came in with an ERA of 1.5, gave up four runs, suffered his first loss. In more than a month. The Mets, who lost 7 nothing on Tuesday, lost 13-2 to in San Diego. The Padres roughed up Chris Bassett. Jake Cronenworth, a three-run homer, he drove in five. The Mets were without. Pete Alonso and Starling Marte both left Tuesday's game with wrist and quad injuries. Both are day-to-day. NBA Finals Game 3 in Boston. The Celtics beat the Warriors 116-100 to go up 2-1. The Celtics are now 7-0 in these playoffs. 
after losses. Game four tomorrow. Game five tonight at the Garden where the Rangers have won eight in a row. Look to keep that going. Regain the lead over Tampa Bay in the East Finals that are now tied at two. In London today, the first ever round of the new Live Golf Tour, financially backed by Saudi Arabian interests. Here's Phil Mickelson. I don't condone human rights violations. I, I don't know how I can be any more clear. I understand your question. Um, but again, I love this game of golf. I've seen the good that it's done. And I see the opportunity for Live Golf to do a lot of good for the game throughout the world, and I'm excited to be about a part of this opportunity. Nicholson says he's earned the right to have a lifetime exemption. He could also play the PGA Tour, says he'll be in Boston next week for the U.S. Open. John Stash, now our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. S&P futures up 15 points. Dow futures up 105. NASDAQ futures up 55 points. The euro, little changed against the dollar, trading at 1.0716 ahead of an ECB policy decision. We preview it next with Simon French of Panmure Gordon. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. This rain should clear out this afternoon. We'll get up to near 80 degrees. Mostly sunny near 80 tomorrow. More showers possible Saturday. Highs then in the low 70s. Currently rain and 69 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And European equities are slipping this morning ahead of an ECB decision that will put the region's monetary policy on a path of tightening and help close the gap with global peers. Meanwhile, U.S. stock index futures are on the rise. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 14 points. Dow futures up 95. NASDAQ futures up 53. The DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year Treasury up 3.30 seconds, yield 3.01 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.77 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up tenth of a percent or 11 cents at $122.20 a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent or $4.50 at 18.52 an ounce. The euro, 1.07 against the dollar. British pound 1.2519 and the yen 133.52. And looking at Bitcoin, it's up about 1% at $30,500. Today we are watching for the weekly report on initial jobless claims out at 8.30 Wall Street time. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. After a day of emotional testimony on Capitol Hill from families and survivors shattered by gun violence, the House passed a sweeping gun control package late last night. However, the measure is facing a roadblock in the Senate. The House Select Committee investigating the deadly January 6th Capitol attack will present its material for the first time in prime time tonight. In the NBA Finals, the Celtics beat the Warriors 116-100 to take a two-games-to-one lead in the series. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets lost along with the Nationals and A's. The Red Sox and Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It is 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers 
Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and 519 means we are about two hours and 26 minutes away from a decision from the European Central Bank that is expected to set the stage for the first interest rate hikes in the Eurozone in more than a decade as the as Europe continues to deal with the inflation, the likes of which it has never seen. For more, we are joined this morning by Simon French, Chief Economist of Pandora Gordon. Simon, it's always great to speak with you. What is the ECB? What will President Christine Lagarde signal today? Yeah, good morning, Nathan. And always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, so what we have is the last, I think, moment from the ECB Governing Council to prepare markets for um, interest rate increases. As you say, the first time since 2011 that that will be the case in the Eurozone. But they really have little choice with inflation running at now north of 8% across the Eurozone. In terms of what to expect today, I think there are two things to look out for. One, flexibility. How much will Christine Lagarde and the Governing Council try and emphasize to markets that if peripheral spreads in countries like Italy and Greece, those spreads blow out versus German bonds, what ability will the ECB have to act to address that? And secondly, We've seen 50 basis points moves from other central banks around the world, in Australia, in Canada, in the U.S. Uh, I think the ECB is going to take a more gradual path, but there is some speculation there about 50 basis points, and I think they will have to address those head on. Yeah, yeah, you lead right into it, the speculation that is going on in the markets, but whether the uh, ECB is going to signal a 25 basis point move or a 50 basis point move. Are you expecting more clarity there on where the ECB stands, given that central banks, as you mentioned, have been going aggressive ahead of this decision? Yeah, so I think um, Chief Economist Philip Lane has talked about 25 basis point increments in recent weeks. So certainly trying to reinforce the expectations of 25 rather than 50. Um, They won't, I don't think, rule out a move of 50 basis points. But I think if you look at the underlying dynamics of the Eurozone economy, look at core inflation, which is still only, I say only, but running at 4%, so less core pressures than we're seeing in the US or the UK, um, but also the fact that the Eurozone imports about 70% of its gross energy needs. So medium term, that starts to be deflationary, and therefore some of the heavy lifting and getting inflation down will come from expensive energy imports. I think that is the case for why we see a divergence between the pace which, for example, the Federal Reserve will go at compared to what the ECB is prepared to go at. What are you expecting that we're going to get from the ECB when it comes to new economic projections? We've already heard, as you know, from the OECD and the World Bank, they've uh, lowered their outlook for the year pretty significantly uh, more than once so far this year. Yeah, and I think we will get the same indications from the ECB. I don't think uh, these official forecasters deviate too much from the script and for good reasons at the moment, given the global headwinds through higher energy costs ongoing supply chain disruptions, uh, particularly out of China, all those signs of those assigned to ease. I think we're still in a official downgrade cycle for growth projections. Um, I don't think, however, it is going to change fundamentally what the market sees as the rate path from the ECB. The ECB have to respond to the risk that what is largely an exogenous trade shock starts to inbuild into expectations for price growth and those second-order effects kick in. And so growth projections, although coming down, I don't think you're going to haul down rate expectations at this point. 
Only about a minute left here, Simon. What is the challenge for the ECB, given those exogenous reasons for inflation, the war in Ukraine particularly? Does the ECB have the tools it needs to handle this kind of inflation? It it, it doesn't. It needs to acknowledge that fiscal policy has to also play a role in putting a, a floor, if you like, under Eurozone economic activity. But what it needs to do is accentuate flexibility to impose the transmission mechanism to periphery countries or to corporate lending or household lending starts to get impaired. That's the bar of success for Christine Lagarde today. If she achieves that, then July is still very much live in terms of starting this process of normalization. Now we'll be listening to those comments from Christine Lagarde very closely later on this morning following the decision coming up at 7.45 Wall Street time. We will have full coverage for you as the ECB gets set to make that decision later this morning. Keep it right here on Bloomberg Radio. Simon French, Chief Economist at Pamir Gordon with us this morning. Simon, thanks for your insights ahead of that decision. Looking ahead to the market open, we have futures moving higher, a divergence there compared to European shares this morning. We have S&P futures up uh, 13 points right now. Dow futures down, or I'm sorry, they're up 89 points. NASDAQ futures up 46. Germany's DAX is down six-tenths percent. The CAC in Paris down three-tenths of one percent. Ten-year Treasury right now, little changed at 3.02 percent for the yield on the 10-year note. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. We're expecting this rain to clear out this afternoon. We'll get up to near 80 degrees today. Mostly sunny tomorrow, but only for one day. More showers possible Saturday. Right now, 69 as the rain continues. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The ECB gets set to tighten monetary policy. Gasoline prices hit record highs in more states. The January 6th hearings get underway in primetime tonight. And Twitter says it expects a vote on Elon Musk's takeover bid later this summer. New York Mayor Adams testifies before a House committee on gun violence, plus the House passes gun reform legislation. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Sharon Sports. The Celtics beat the Warriors in the NBA Finals. Rangers Lightning Game 5 tonight. Lopsided losses for the Mets and Yankees. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. And good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak, brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at informatica.com. And futures this morning are on the rise. It is 5.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 17 points. Dow futures up 111. NASDAQ futures up 68. The 10-year Treasury up 132nd, yield 3.01%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.77%. And NYMEX crude oil is down about two-tenths percent or 21 cents at $121.91 a barrel. Nathan. All right, Karen. We'll have more on the markets in just a minute. But we begin overseas this morning as the European Central Bank is getting ready to usher in a new era of monetary policy today to confront the threat of inflation running out of control. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts joins us live with the latest. Good morning, Ewan. 
Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Today's decision due at 7.45am New York time is set to announce an imminent end to large-scale asset purchases. The ECB is also to pave the way for its first rate increase in more than a decade next month. The plan would match a timetable unveiled by President Christine Lagarde, who wants to bring to an end the euro area's ultra-low borrowing costs. But with rates at minus 0.5%, there's likely more to come. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Well, we get the latest on inflation here in the U.S. when the latest consumer price index is released tomorrow. Inflation, along with rising oil prices and tightening monetary policy, are affecting investor outlook. Alafia Dorawala, co-CIO for Multi-Asset Class Solutions at Rock Creek, talks about how she thinks investors should navigate the market volatility. In terms of portfolio positioning, the most important, stay nimble, stay flexible, raise cash where you can, and be prudent and cognizant of the trade-offs between liquidity, potential investments, and have a longer-term horizon. Rock Creek's Alafia Dorawala says supply shortages are creating further uncertainty. In Asia, Karen, stocks were weighed down by the impact of high inflation. Semiconductor shares across the region also fell after Intel warned of weaker demand. China showed exports grew at a faster pace in May than the previous month, though sentiment waned on news of a mini lockdown in Shanghai. Turning to oil, which has surpassed $122 a barrel earlier this morning, gas prices are also hitting record prices in more states as Americans start to hit the road for peak driving season. And Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us live with the latest. John, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Gasoline prices have broken records for at least seven days. Prices have topped $5 a gallon in 16 states, and demand is still rising. Gasoline supplies are more in line with levels that we usually see at the end of the driving season. We now have seen 10 weeks of declines in gasoline inventories. That's the longest run since 2019, and it's likely to drive oil prices even higher. Goldman Sachs increased its quarterly forecast for this year and into 2023, raising its WTI estimate for the next quarter to $137 a barrel. Drivers in California, by the way, are paying the most in the country for gasoline, forking over an average $6.39 a gallon. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Radio. All right, John, thanks. So it's not just drivers feeling the pain. Amazon CEO Andy Jassy says his company's feeling the pinch of gas prices and inflation. I think we thought that inflation would start to attenuate in 2022, and with the war in Ukraine, it just went the other way and has significantly accelerated. So the cost of Trucking and line haul and ocean and air and fuel has just substantially gone up. Andy Jassy, CEO of Amazon, spoke at the Bloomberg Technology Summit in San Francisco. You can catch more of that wide-ranging interview with Andy Jassy a little bit later in the program. Well, Nathan, Bloomberg also spoke with investing giant Kathy Wood at the Up Summit conference in Arkansas about inflation. The head of ARK Investment Management thinks it will eventually come down. I've never seen inventory um uh, surges like this in my career, and I've been around for a long time. I think this inventory issue highlights the cyclical reason we've been saying we think inflation will unravel. ARK Investments' Kathy Wood says the greater risk to consumers and investors is actually deflation. Hear why. Later this morning, we'll bring you more of our interview with Kathy Wood at 6.15 Wall Street time. In the meantime, Karen, Twitter is telling its staff that a vote on Elon Musk's deal to buy the company comes with some big names backing Musk's bid. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more on that. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Bloomberg sources say Twitter's top lawyer is reassuring the staff that the deal to sell the company to Elon Musk will go ahead and that a vote could happen in late 
July or early August. Meantime, regulatory filings show Dubai-based investment firm Vi Capital is committing $700 million to help finance Musk's bid for Twitter. That makes the company the third biggest outside equity investor. And the deal has also drawn money from billionaire Larry Ellison and Sequoia Capital. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. After nearly a year of investigating the U.S. Capitol insurrection, the House Committee is about to go public with what it knows starting tonight. Bloomberg's Amy Morris reports from our 991 newsroom in Washington. The committee has interviewed more than a 1,000 people and reviewed more than 125,000 documents focusing on funding, motivation, and leadership of the mob that attacked the Capitol on January 6th last year. Tonight is the first in a series of public hearings. Some members are promising explosive new information with never-before-seen photos and other exhibits. There could be as many as eight hearings in all, but a formal schedule has not been released. It all starts at 8 o'clock tonight, Wall Street time. In Washington, I I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Amy, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are up 16 points. Dow futures up 104. NASDAQ futures up 58 points. Ten-year treasuries up 230 seconds. The yield 3.01%. Straight ahead, local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Informatica on the cloud. Your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. S&P futures higher up 14 points this morning. Dow futures up 96. And NASDAQ futures up 49. The 10-year Treasury little change yield 3.02%. And NYMEX crude oil is down to tenths percent or 21 cents at $121.92 a barrel. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The January 6th committee's primetime live hearings begin tonight. The committee will try to show the nation what sparked the Capitol riot and who was responsible. The House passed a package of gun legislation last night. It comes ahead of whatever compromise plan emerges from bipartisan negotiations in the Senate. In the NBA Finals, the Celtics beat the Warriors 116-100 to take a two-games-to-one lead in the series. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets lost along with the Nationals and A's The Red Sox and Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 548 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Now we want to bring you a wide-ranging interview with Amazon CEO Andy Jassy. He sat down with Bloomberg's Emily Chang at the Bloomberg Technology Summit in San Francisco. Jassy talked about the grim economic outlook some business leaders have shared in recent weeks and what the next era for Amazon will look like. Elon Musk just came out saying he has a super bad feeling about the economy. Tesla laying off 10% of his staff. Jamie Dimon says he's preparing for an economic hurricane. The World Bank just slashed its forecast for global growth. How do you feel about the economic climate? Well, I wasn't planning on giving any guidance. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but, uh, super you know, bad or super, I, I, I super think, bad? Uh, <laughs> I think uh, there's some things as it relates to Amazon that are um, useful to remember. You know, I, I think the first piece is 
Remember that 85% of the, of the worldwide retail market segment share is offline. And if you believe that that equation is going to flip at some point, which we do, I think it will, it will flip over a long period of time. But if you believe that, you know, the companies that have great customer experiences like we do, I think are going to, are going to do all right. And, you know, and, that, and great customer experiences mean you have really broad selection, low prices, and very fast delivery that's reliable to customers. You know, I also think that if you look at different downturns, um, you know, should we have one at some point? And we've been through a few, obviously, in the 25 years that I've been at Amazon. Customers change their habits. You know, they, they tend to be pickier about what they buy and when they buy and who they buy from. And they often pick the partners and the companies that they trust, you know, and that have great customer experiences like the dimensions I mentioned earlier. Um, and so, I, you know, I also think there's, you know, those two reasons, those two factors give me some optimism that even if we have a downturn, that we have the potential to still grow. The theme of this conference is moving forward. What are the moonshots at Amazon that are capturing most of your time and attention? What is going to define the next era of Amazon? I mean, is it is it Astro the home robot or is it something else? Well, you know, we have a unique way that we look at big new investments. And I'm not sure it's right or wrong. It just happens to be our way. And we ask ourselves when we're considering something four questions. We, we ask, uh, if it's successful, can it be big and move the needle at Amazon? Is it being well served today? Do we have a differentiated approach? And do we have competence there? And if not, can we acquire quickly? If we like the answer to those questions, We'll go pursue it with a single-threaded team that isn't distracted by the rest of the business. And sometimes that leads to uh, innovation and investments that seem pretty obvious. Like, you know, when I got to that company, it was a books-only retailer, and then we expanded to music and video and electronics and toys. That seemed obvious to people. Other times, that process does not lead to investments that seem obvious to people. I mean, AWS was something that people externally and internally thought was a little bit nutty at the time. But just imagine what Amazon would be today without AWS. And, and I think that you see the same thing here. Uh, you know, the, there are so many significant investments we're making that I'm excited about. I'm going to have to constrain myself to a few. But, you know, I, I'm really excited about what we're doing in the prime video space. Um, I think we're clearly on the right track there and building a significant business. That's interesting because Netflix also just announced some layoffs, yeah. first subscriber loss in a decade, Disney cutting back on costs. Do you see Amazon's strategy as fundamentally different from Netflix and Disney? And if so, how? Well, I, you know, we're very bullish on it. And uh, remember, we you know, all the... All of the models are a little bit different, but for Prime Video, we have 200 million plus Prime subscribers who are, you know, get that entertainment for free by being part of, of Prime. And, and so we have a little bit different um, pricing model than some of the others, but I, I'm incredibly encouraged by what we have coming. If you, if you look, I mean, we launched this show Reacher earlier in the year. It was a huge um, hit. We, you know, we had the new Maisel um, season. I'm very bullish about it. Um, we also, you know, uh, we're excited about what we've done with MGM. Uh, uh, you know, I think some of the assets there will go very well with the rest of, of what we're doing entertainment-wise. We have an ad-supported um, uh, channel there or, or platform there in Freevee, which I think is appealing. And I'm optimistic that we have a chance to build a significant grocery business, which is, you know, early stages for us. I am excited about um, Kuiper, which is our low-Earth orbit satellite that we're building. I continue to be very optimistic about Alexa. And then, you know, our autonomous driving, ride-hailing 
service and Zooks that we're building, you know, here in the Bay Area. I just think with the way auto consumption is evolving, I think that also is a chance to be a really significant business. And that was Amazon CEO Andy Jassy speaking with Bloomberg's Emily Chang. Be sure to get Emily's Bloomberg Tech Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. And it is 5.53 on Wall Street. It is time now for the Bloomberg Law Report brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. And now one of the legal stories we're watching this morning, the House's January 6th committee will hold hearings in primetime tonight. But as far as the Justice Department's massive investigation, into attack on the Capitol 17 months in, and prosecutors have scored relatively few felony convictions. However, there are indications that the investigation is entering a more aggressive phase with respect to potential felonies committed by lawyers and organizers ahead of January 6th to stop the vote certification. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Chris Strom, Bloomberg Legal Reporter. Give us sort of the scorecard for the investigation so far. You know, how many prosecutions, how many convictions? The investigation has been criticized for moving at a glacial pace, and I think the statistics back up some of the criticism. So far, the department has brought charges against about 850 individuals, but by far most of the charges are for misdemeanors on the day of January 6th, such as, you know, illegally entering the Capitol building. So far, the department has charged about 250 people with assaulting or resisting officers, which is one of the most serious charges that has been brought. In terms of resolutions to some of these cases, 250 people have pleaded guilty to misdemeanors and 60 have pleaded guilty to felonies. In terms of sentencing, by far, most people are getting probation or fines. It's believed that 2,000 to 2,500 people are ultimately going to be charged, but the department has only brought charges against 850 people so far, and there's been no charges brought for the potentially criminal activities that were taking place before January 6th by former President Trump and his lawyers and his inner circle in terms of creating false electors or trying to alter votes. Attorney General Merrick Garland has said, I think, several times that they're going to follow the evidence wherever it leads. But there seems to be no confidence that they will pursue the former president if that's where the evidence leads. Well, there's an interesting dichotomy that's happening with the investigation now. The charges against people who had stormed the Capitol on January 6th are moving very, very slow and have seemed to stagnate. But the investigative activity against the small group of people who were part of Trump's inner circle who were working to overturn the election, the investigative activity against them is actually increasing at a greater pace. The Justice Department has started issuing grand jury subpoenas for information about organizing and fundraising activities in the days before January 6th, about efforts to create false electors in key states. And the Justice Department is now increasing the pace of the investigation and the amount of investigative activity into the actions of Trump and the key 
people that were working with Trump to try to overturn the election. And that's Chris Strom, Bloomberg legal reporter, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up 11 points. Dow futures up 72. NASDAQ futures up 39. Ten-year Treasury up two thirty seconds, yield three point oh one percent. They yield on the two-year two point seven seven percent, and IMAX crude oil is down three tenths percent. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.